hello and welcome to Casting Shadows, episode number 27. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy, here with AK. AK, how you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Really excited to talk about some spoilers and really just get into it. Well, it seems like that the world is really coming to a close here. 2020 has been a wild year with everything that's going on, and it seems like Death Shadow has actually gotten support through Zendikar Rising. That no, just might be... that is a lie. What? What is this? <laughs> Are you serious? It's this quite is... possible. There's a lot of people hyped about this this first card that we're going to talk about. Rotting Redisar. Yes. That's what we're... T- <laughs> 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 really <laughs> try to push that one in there, please. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you say please like that? I don't know what came over you, but okay, all right. But on a serious note, it is what sky something, right? What's it called again? Scourge of the Skyclaves, one generic and one black demon creature type. It has a kicker of four generic and black. Uh, whenever when you cast this spell, if it was kicked, each player loses half their life rounded up. Scourge of the Skyclaves power and toughness are equal to twenty. Minus the highest life total among players. So there's a couple things that I do like about this card. This already seems like it's an extra an extra threat for Grixis Death Shadow and maybe other Death Shadows. But I automatically, obviously, since I play Grixis Death Shadow, I'm in the mindset of what can I do for Grixis Death Shadow. Snapcaster Mage has been a card that I haven't particularly liked in the deck. I didn't like Kroxa and Grixis Death Shadow. And I really don't particularly like Snapcaster Mage. There's been scenarios when it's been good and it's been exactly what I've needed. But most of the time I'm like, I really wish I could replace it. And there's been a lot of people that are, you know, fluctuating Snapcaster Mages between two to three. A lot of people have been playing three recently. I'm still stuck on two because I I don't like Snapcaster Mage in the deck at, at all. But this card seems like it could replace Snapcaster Mage. Snapcaster Mage isn't really much of a threat. It's more of like a uh, reactive style card that when they play something, you know, Snapcaster Mage Fatal Push, Snapcaster Mage Stubborn Denial, something like that, uh, Snap Bolt. But this could actually be quite a bit of a threat. The one thing I do think, I don't think it's particularly good against Euro-style decks because obviously it's the highest life total, 20 minus the highest life total. You're, when you're playing against Euro, obviously, they're gaining a bunch of life through Euro. So I could see that potentially being a problem against Euro. But I want to talk about Michael Rapp. You sent this to me earlier. He already had a rough draft of a Grixis Death Shadow Shell with Scourge of the Skyclaves in there. And it looked pretty sweet. And I know, I think I saw you were commenting on it. Pretty happy to see three lightning bolts in the main board again, because obviously, you know, we're taking a bunch of life through fetch shocking, thought seizing and all that. We want to also do damage to them as well. So Scourge of the Skyclaves can become bigger. And a lot of the shell is still basically the same. But I want to start off by asking, what do you think about Scourge of the Skyclaves? I know I gave a little bit of my take. What do you think about the card in general? And what do you think about the playability in Grixis Death Shadow or any of the Death Shadows and then Michael Rapp's list? So right off the bat, I was pretty like skeptical of the card at first. Like I was like, okay, like, wow, we were so close, like to getting like a Death Shadow boost, you know. But then I started looking at the card more, I started reading it more. And I was like, hang on a second. This actually could work in Death Shadow. 
And I think it's it's nice because I was talking to Michael Rapp on Twitter and I said that uh, it's so nice to have a threat that doesn't compete for the graveyard. Mm -hmm. Because our problem with Grixis Death Shadow, whenever we find a new threat, I've noticed it's like, here comes this, you know, like, oh, whether it be Karoksa or whether it be uh, some sort of other big devil spell or a Tarmogoyf even, it's competing for the graveyard, right? Which makes us think like, okay, do we want Angler or do we want no Angler? You know, like it it really forces us to consider Angler as a non-option, which I don't want to do because the big fish is one of my favorite creatures in Death Shadow. And so, therefore, I am always trying to find a threat that doesn't really doesn't really collide with Angler. That's why I was <laughs> such a big fan of Riding Registrar, because it didn't <laughs> it didn't collide with Angler. It went on its own thing, which is why I'm super excited about Scourge, because it has a chance to be an extra threat in our deck and also uh, not compete for the graveyard. So we're still able to play a four of, of Gurmag Angler, you know, so this way we're going from eight main creatures to 12 main creatures mm -hmm. uh, able to just smash face. And they're all big meaty creatures that you have to answer. none of them are like, Oh, you know, I'll let that snapcaster get some chip damage or, you know, like, I don't mind that. Like, no, this is a, this is a creature you're going to have to deal with because there's this huge body coming in, just ready to f smash your face. Like, you know, they fetch shock. It's already a three, three for two mana. You know, they take a bolt goes from a three, three to a six, six for two mana, you know, like, and then you swing once, like ag again, like if you get one combat step in with this thing, when it's already like a three or four power creature, it just gives it, you know, that much more on its power and toughness, which is awesome. Like, I, I love that. And then you have like a huge death shadow on board and a huge Gurmag angler, you know, or a lightning bolt in hand ready to just kind of lower your life total even more. And I love lightning bolt. Lightning bolt's one of my favorite cards when it comes to Grixis Death Shadow. And I'm always really sad to see it like go when it goes out, you know, because I think it's just like sometimes it's a little that extra oomph that we need in order to kind of overcome some decks. And sometimes you get an opponent like three or four life or, you know, even six life. You're like, man, if I had two bolts over this game, it would be over, you know, like, <laughs> so I really wish that we can kind of we can incorporate bolt into our deck, you know, even more than what we did in the past. I mean, I am a little bummed about Snapcaster. I actually kind of like Snapcaster on the deck because it gave you that like every card that was in your graveyard, like whether it be a Thought Scour, Serum Visions or a Starman Denial, it represented another card like you get to do that card again if you do that Snapcaster. So I always like drawing the Snapcaster and being super excited, like, OK, I can do whatever I want to do again, you know. So I was always pretty pumped about that. But then, uh, like you said, though, it's never really kind of found it's like it's big home in, you know, unless it was like 2017. That's when it was like really in top dog and then early 2018 with the whole big, you know, KCI push. But since then, Snapcaster has always struggled to maintain relevancy in Grixis Death Shadow. And, you know, like, I can't help but when sometimes I draw it, I'm like, man, like, this sucks. I really kind of don't want it right now. Like, it's not a big threat. It's not really what I want at the moment. You know, therefore, I, I could see it in a sideboard, though, because if you go against Jund, Snapcaster is a huge card against Jund because whatever they make you discard with a Thoughtseize or Inquisition, you draw a Snapcaster, boom, you have it back right, ready to go. You know, like, you know, get rid of that Thoughtscour, get rid of that Thoughtseize or Fatal Push. Here comes Snapcaster Mage just to ruin your day. Kind of <laughs> buy back whatever you got discarded. So as for Michael Rapp's list, I think it's an awesome rough draft. I'm really excited to go testing with it and kind of get my feet wet. And I'm just super excited to have uh, another big threat. 
you know, I see some people t- t- uh, tinkering with the Gurmag Angler numbers going down to three, even two Gurmag Anglers. I don't I don't think you should do that. The whole point of the Scourge is to have uh, 12 threats, not lower your threat density with Gurmag Angler. Like we want to have more. We want to have like so many threats, like whatever we draw at the top of that could be a threat. So mm-hmm. I think I say you keep the four of Scourge and a four of Angler as of now, because I, I think we really just need to have all the threats we can get our hands on. But that being said, I'm I'm just excited to get my feet wet when it comes to deck, and I'm really looking forward to it. I wish it had flying; it would make sense if it had flying. Mm, but for a demon, I get how be I know I get, and it's called Sky, like Scourge of the Sky, whatever. So like, has Sky name is that flying? I thought that was kind of weird, but I get why it'd be kind of OP if it did. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the biggest problem with Grixis Death Shadow that a lot of people knock on it is the lack of consistency to find threats. So I just find it weird that we're adding this card as a threat but also cutting back on our threats when that's our biggest problem so i'm with you on that on that train where i think you should start off with four of these four of gurmog angler four of death shadow we're upping our threat count which is something that i think all of us have really wanted to do so it kind of perplexes me that we would want to cut back on gurmog angler which i can understand to some degree but at the same time when our biggest problem is finding a threat even though we have Bobble and Street Wraith to draw cards, we still can go through multiple turns without finding a threat. So this just adds on to doing this. And another reason why I'm high on this card, with Kroxa and Angler, drawing the second one kind of feels like a disaster. You know, once you slam that Gurmog Angler on turn two, you draw a Gurmog Angler the next turn, it's going to be hard to cast it again. I'm not saying that you're not going to be able to cast it again, but... It's gonna. You're gonna have to hopefully get another bobble. Hopefully get another thought scour to be able to slam it down with some more fetch lands and stuff. So drawing a second Gurmog Angler is not something you always really want to do. But and then the same thing with Kroxa. You know it's hard to hard to cast it for that four mana. So that was very inconsistent to get it into the play. We had an upper land count and all that. But this one, it's not a legendary creature. It's not something that's hard to cast for two mana. So you can play multiple of these. Which is great because, like I said, Gurmog Angler, you can land one, but then it's really hard to play the second one. There's not that extra cost of delving away your graveyard to be able to play Scourge of the Skyclaves. So you can slam two of them down and be able to play them and then threaten lethal or threaten just about or quicken up the pace a little bit, quicken up the clock and make them start to sweat a little bit. We're still playing Teamer Battle Rage. You know, now we have Death Shadow, we have Gurmog Angler, we have Scourge that we could potentially battle rage for the win and all that. It's just another added card for Grixis Death Shadow that I am very excited for them to experiment with. And it would be really nice to kind of help solve that problem of our consistency problems of finding a threat. And this could be the card to do it. Very excited about Michael Rapp's list. Like you said, it's cool to play Lightning Bolt again. It's been a card that's been on the downswing for Death Shadow for the longest time sometimes it's played of as a one of in the main board but other than that you don't see it too much and it sometimes it's been cut completely so it's cool to give lightning bolt a meaning again for death shadow very excited about this (laughs) very excited to possibly get a main board card and if if you do have anything else to say about this card before we move on I mean, like, like I said before, like, I'm just excited to get testing, uh, get like what version is right, what version is not the best. Like, you know, I'm just I'm just pumped. Like, I think it's so nice to get a card that like was meant for us for once. You know, like mm-hmm. I see so many times people get these new cards and like the Euros, the 
the Simicards and Nissas and everything, I always feel like left in the dust. But this way, we're really able to come out on top. Yeah, quick question. Do you agree with me that you could foresee this being a problem card against Euro when they're able to gain so much life? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely uh, a problem card, and I don't think it... I think it'd be easily sided out at that point. Like, if they're playing a Euro deck, I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, this guy, our Scourge isn't working kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to have to side it out. Or kind of like how we do with... Uh, you know, against humans where we're playing against humans and it's like, OK, you know what? Gurmag Angler is probably the worst threat because Reflector Mage. So I'm going to switch over to Dash. It'll be my main threat because you have to pivot yourself to get to that kind of creature you need. And if like with the Euro game one, you're going to have to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And then that might come into play with you talking about Snapcaster being in the sideboard. If you're playing against Euro, it might be helpful to bring in two copies or something to replace Scourge and then find another two cards to replace the other two copies of Scourge if you want to cut out four completely, just to give you a different grindier element, unless you really want to try to race them with Bolt and all that against Euro. But I think it'd be kind of cool to try this out on the main board. Maybe I I would be interested in trying out Snapcaster in the sideboard, because I still think it is a very good situational card. It's not good all the time, but there is definitely elements where it is really good to save yourself from dying as a chump blocker or like you said and i said before flashing it in to grab a fatal push to grab a stubborn denial thought scour any any one mana two mana spells as long as you have the the mana for it so it could be an interesting we could be seeing a little shift of grixis death shadow a little shift in the main board shift to the sideboard and there's two cards that were also spoiled in zendikar rising that are potential sideboard cards. And uh, you alluded to it in the last podcast. We talked a little bit how if we're interested to see cards or see like the color pie get kind of shifted a little bit. We talked potentially there was a black card that could hit enchantments and we got that card. So we have feed the swarm for generic and a black sorcery speed, destroy target creature or enchantment and opponent controls you lose life equal to the permanent's converted mana cost. So I'll let you start with this. How do you feel about Feed the Swarm overall as a potential Grixis Death Shadow Cyborg card or even any of the Death Shadows? I think it's really cool for the non-white variants who struggle immensely when it comes to removing enchantments. Then again, Modern isn't really big right now with enchantments. I don't think there are any like hardcore enchantment hitting decks around. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, like, you know, it's possibly that it could pop up in the future and then we have to deal with it then. So as far as uh, it's called Feed the Swarm, correct? Right. Yes. yes. OK. As far as Feed the Swarm goes, I feel like it's uh, a really good staple if enchantments ever become really big and modern again. Enchantments are really never huge in modern besides in like sideboards, like the ley lines or stuff like that. But that's not really I don't even, I don't even count those really as enchantments. I feel like people just, you know, pay for the opening hand. And then if it's not in their opening hand, if it's that type of meta, you just concede at that point. You know, I'm thinking like Hogak and that era kind of thing. So as far as enchantment removal in modern, I don't think it's really like a big deal. Like I could definitely see this popping up in some sideboards, but I don't think it's going to make waves or anything like that. You know, for Grixis Death Shadow, it is that, you know, something we could tutor up or something uh, we could use against like a Blood Moon type deck or maybe a Fires of Invention type deck. That we really need to get that enchantment out of the way. And this is our one way of getting rid of it. And then losing life sometimes could be a bonus, you know, so knocking out the rest in peace to kind of turn our anglers back on. It also is not just dead when you don't have it because it can destroy a creature, which is really nice, I think. And it kind of opens up 
uh, opens you up to knocking out their threats and you lose a little bit of life. You know, Modern is a very aggressive format with a lot of valued creatures. You know, you look at Euro, Thalia, uh, Champion of the Parish, Tarmogoyf, Dark Confidant. These really, you know, three to two mana cards, even one mana cards that accrue so much value that I would totally pay, you know, a life or two to remove them from the board. You know, Mantis Rider is a card that we struggle with a lot too sometimes if it's three CMC. This is a quick way to take it out. I really like this card. I think it's unique. I know some people are really kind of aggravated with the color pie bending, but I don't mind it. You know, I feel like Wizards raged away with that when it came to green, so why shouldn't black get something? Mm. And even though, you know, it kind of strays away from the color pie, it's brought to, back together to the black color pie because you are you have to lose life equal to the converted mana cost. Yeah, the, the paying the price type exactly. thing. Exactly. That, that fits black, that molds black. That's like the center of what black is. So while you're doing that, you're also doing that. That kind of brings it back. As far as Feed the Swarm, like you said, enchantments aren't really that prevalent right now in modern i try to look up some you know like gruel midrange they play utopia sprawl they play blood moon um you also can face against seal of fire which this card would be horrible against because they can just sack it in response <laughs> to you trying don't to don't recommend it. that so that spicy sideboard exactly so basically you just have utopia sprawl that you can hit or blood moon which blood moon can be a backbreaker against us sometimes but Another point that I think about this card is also that it's a sorcery mm -hmm. card, sorcery speed. So it's not, if it was instant speed, I think it would be a pretty good card to put in the sideboard. Sorcery kind of takes it down a notch for me a little bit. That being that kind of slow, if you try to use it against decks that play a lot of counter spells, it's it's not going to be very good. You have, to, you have to do it on your turn. You can't do it at end of turn of their turn or something. So it kind of slows you down a little bit. And I think potentially there's better options for creature removal anyway that are instant speed. So if you're looking at it for creatures, then there's definitely better options. If there's a lot of blood moons at your local game store, if like you go to a five round event and three or four of them are playing blood moon, then okay, I could see playing this in the sideboard. And I think it'd be more of a Grixis sideboard than anything Four color and Jun, They already have access to green. They have access to Abrupt Decay. They have access to Assassin's Trophy, which are way better than this card is because they can hit out that stuff easily. So this would be more of a sideboard for Grixis Death Shadow than anything. I don't really see the others playing it too much. But yeah, I think it was a pretty interesting card. I could potentially see it in the sideboard if enchantments start to get a little bit better. But as of right now... I think it's just a cool card to kind of keep track of and try to remember if things start to change a little different. And this last card is another potential sideboard card called Cleansing Wildfire. It is a generic and a red sorcery speed. Destroy target land. Its controller may search their library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle their library, draw a card. How do you feel about this card potentially in the sideboard of Death Shadow? I really like this card. I think this is one of uh, a pretty much slam deck when it comes to sideboard cards. I think it's awesome. I think, you know, two mana is just where we want it. It draws you cards or replaces itself and it gets rid of that problematic land that we really need to, you know, uh, worry about. So I'm looking at Field of Dead, I'm looking at Tron Land, I'm looking at like a, you know, uh, like a Mutavolt that's kind of escaping us and pounding us in when we're, mm. not, when we're trying to get around it. You know, like it's a really powerful effect for only two mana and one generic one red i'm perfectly willing to able to pay this 
you know, and does it say opponent controls or does it say just a land? It says destroy target land. Okay, so like, you know, worst case scenario, if you're like, I really need black or I really need blue, you can just use this on yourself, you know, or if you want two cards in a graveyard, you can chuck this and, you know, your extra land to get that, you know, press the six card in the graveyard to Gurman Gangler. Yeah, I don't recommend it, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh, and then, like I said, drawing a card is just like the icing on the cake. I think it's awesome. You're able to kind of recruit, recruit value and use you use your resources in order to compete with them. And I think, you know, knocking off their Tron land, knocking off their feel of dead strategy, or maybe the raging ravine is a really simple way of kind of securing yourself and the race. So I really like this card. And like I said, two mana is so aggressively cost. I wish it was an instant, but sorcery will have to do. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeremy, what do you think about this card? Yeah, that was uh, one of the things I first noticed is that it was sorcery speed. Again, just like I said, with Feed the Swarm, sorcery speed kind of takes it down a little bit because you have to play it on your turn. The top half of it is pretty okay. I thought it was pretty average, pretty decent card. But the bottom half of it is what makes it a modern playable card, what makes it a Death Shadow playable card. Like you said, there's a lot of problem lands. You know, you could hit a Field of the Dead. You can hit a Muta Vault. You can hit Celestial Colonnade. All those problem lands that could potentially just wreak havoc on your day. But the fact that it replaces itself is what makes it really prevalent and what makes it more of a card that I could see being played in the sideboard of Death Shadow more than a Feed the Swarm. Now, Grixis Death Shadow has been playing a lot of Damping Sphere. And just kind of like Snapcaster, I've never really been a huge fan of Damping Sphere. I've tried it on the sideboard. I have times where it really helped a lot, but then there's been times where I'm paying two mana for a Fatal Push, or I'm paying one mana for a, a Mistress Bobble because I want to be able to cast multiple spells on my turn, but Damping Sphere is punishing them, but it's also punishing me at the same time. So Cleansing Wildfire can be a nice little card that we can replace Damping Sphere. And I was on the Discord, I've seen a lot of people talking about that as well, that they were interested in trying this out over Damping Sphere because they're not huge fans of Damping Sphere. Um, so replacing itself is fantastic. I was thinking of a very situational thing since we're talking about Blood Moon. If we get Blood Mooned and all we have is like Water Grave, Blood Crypt, Blood Crypt, or whatever on the battlefield, we could also use this against ourselves to go grab our basic swamp so that we we can play Gurmag Angler or we can play Death Shadow. We have access to Fatal Push. So this could be, that was a very situational, you know, Blood Moon lands and then you're like, oh, well, I don't really, everything that I have is now mountains. So this could be nice to, you know, you could potentially use it against yourself. You get yourself a swamp so that you can play whatever is in your hand, but you also draw a card on top of it, which is very nice. I'm definitely, like I said, I'm definitely more interested in trying this out in the sideboard of Death Shadow, of my Grixis Death Shadow over Feed the Swarm. And I think this could be even an interesting sideboard piece outside of Death Shadow as well. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think if you're an aggressive deck like, uh, you know, Mono Red Prowess or Red Black Prowess or even Burn, sometimes with Tron and those big mana decks, uh, you just need that one little opening to pound through, to get through, to really just close out the game. And sometimes you're just a turn away. If they if they were delayed Tron just one more turn, you could have won. But you get steamrolled sometimes. But this two mana spell allows you to slow it down a bit, 
without intervening with your stuff, drawing a card so it replaces itself. So you get more. So if you're playing, you know, uh, Modern Red Prowess, you're digging closer to that final lightning bolt you need to finish off the game or to make your Soul Scar Mage bigger or draw into your Bedlam Reveler, you know. So I think cards or decks like, you know, like we are a tempo aggro deck at the end of the day, Curses Death Shadow is, but a lot of aggro decks in general can use this to their advantage. And I think it'd be awesome against big mana decks. I agree with that as well. I, I, I can foresee this being a card that people play outside of Death Shadow, and I'm excited to see how these cards play out when they are active and we can play with it. There's another card that I saw somebody talking about with Death Shadow, but I really don't think it's going to be played in Death Shadow at all. But I think it's an interesting card, or could be an interesting card in Modern, and it is Magmatic Channeler, which is a generic and a red creature human wizard. As long as there are four or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Magmatic Channeler gets plus three plus one. And it's originally a one three, so that makes it a four four. If you have four or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, you could also tap it, discard a card, exile the top two cards of your library, then choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. How do you feel about this possibly in modern? And then also, how do you feel about somebody talking about it with Death Shadow? Could you see it in Death Shadow at all? Ooh, with Death Shadow, I'm going to say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think it'd be good in Death Shadow. Uh, it just feels like it'd be too clunky. You risk drawing it when you don't need it. Uh, you risk it just being like a, like a, you know, just a useless, what is it, 1-2 is base power, right? 1-3. One, 1-3, three. One, three, you know, like you just run the risk of being in a 1-3. Like, it's not a really huge payoff. We do have a lot of instants and sorceries. But again, it's competing for the graveyard, which we don't mm-hmm. want to do. You know, exactly. like it's another card that's making our threats, making Gurmangangler worse because you have to decide between a 4-4 four, four and a 5-5. Five, five. You know, a 5-5 five, five that can't be Fatal Push, may I add, where this is prime Fatal Push target. You know, mm-hmm. like against Jun, sometimes Gurmangangler will win you the game because they draw their Fatal Pushes or their Abrupt Decays. They don't have anything to remove this Gurmangangler. They can't draw through a Sastrophe or Liliana, the Veil, or they have to waste two bolts on it. Or the best is when they go bolt, bolt, and you stubborn on all the second bolt, and you feel like a god. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, as far as this goes in modern, in general, I feel like it has a shot in some decks. I feel like modern red prowess, red black po- prowess, maybe the Is It Wizards deck, if that pops up again. I know like some people like really like the Is It Wizards deck, and when it was really big, uh, it was doing success. I think it was Jeff Lugan who pop- popularized it. So I could foresee this kind of doing making around when it comes to that. Maybe some bird necks would be interested in it. I'm not too sure. But overall, it seems like a pretty solid card. And I have faith it will find a home eventually. You know, it's mm. a very powerful card. I really wish Is It Phoenix was around because it'd be perfect for that style deck. But even I could see it coming out of some storm sideboards, kind of like how Thing in the Ice was. You know, maybe it's a little more quicker of a threat. You know, sometimes the thing in the ice, they struggle to flip it, but this comes down and turn, you can, you know, turn you put it out, it can become a 4-4, four, four, uh, help you block, help you swing it for the kill. So I like the card. I think it's uh, pretty decent. I just don't think it will see play in Death Shadow. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I don't foresee this being a card that we play with Death Shadow. That point that you said that it competes with the graveyard, you're kind of conflicted because if, Obviously, with Gurmagangler, you're delving your graveyard away, which just makes this a 1-3 for 2 mana that you'll have to replenish the graveyard with to try to make it prevalent. It's just, it's too much fighting with each other. It's too much, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Kroxa and Gurmagangler in the same deck, because with Kroxa, you want to play it, but you have to escape it. 
uh, escape five cards, and then it's like, well, Gurmag Angler two. But at least with if you do Kroxa over Gurmag Angler, that's a threat. This one's not guaranteed to be a threat. And if you hit Graveyard Hate on the other side, this just makes this a very unpowerful card, I believe. And that's why I think it's kind of fringe in Mono Red Prowess, Black Red Prowess as well. You know, with Black Red Prowess, they got Abbot of the Carol Keep, which I think is probably one of the weaker creatures in the deck. But also at the same time, it's being able to, I think you peel off the top card of your library and you can play that that turn or the next turn with Abbot. So this one kind of could compete with that. But at the same time, like I said, if you hit Graveyard Hate, this one's just a 1-3 once your graveyard gets taken out while Abbot it still has prowess so that if you still have cards in your hand, you still have the way of making it bigger and stronger. Whereas this one, you have to do all the work all over again. So is a wizards. I think it would be a fit in. It's a wizards would be cool with it. As far as death shadow and some of the other decks, definitely not death shadow. And I think it could definitely be fringe play in modern. And some of the other ones outside of death shadow, we explored some of the death shadow possibilities some of the ones that we think are shoe-ins. There are some other spoilers that I think are fringe or could see play in modern. And the first one is Maddening Cacophony, which is generic and a blue sorcery. Kicker is three generic and one blue. Each opponent mills eight cards if this spell was kicked. Instead, each opponent mills half their library rounded up. It's another tool for mill, obviously. I don't think it's going to see play. I believe this card is better than breaking and entering, which is two mana for breaking, and it does uh, the top eight the same thing. Just having that kicker option, I think, automatically makes it better than breaking and entering, but even that's a card that's no longer played in mill anymore, so I don't really see this being played in mill. And I think by the time, honestly, that kicker could be active because you have to pay two mana and kick it for four more mana, so that's six mana. So while I said instead each opponent mills half their library rounded up, while that sounds like great when you read it, by the time you have six mana ready and active to use against it, you probably already archive trapped them, you pro probably already glimpsed them, so they might have like 15 cards in their in their library. So you really don't want to kick it then, because then it's just it's less than if you just pay the two mana. So don't think it's too good for mill. What do you think? Uh, as far as Bill goes, I feel like it's like you said, like it's, you know, by the time you get to six man, I feel like the game is pretty much over. Mm. You know, that being said, it could be used that final push to uh, win the game. That'd be kind of cool. But more often than not, I feel like you're not going to get to six mana. Like if you're in a six mana, the game is basically over or they've locked you in their, you know, blue eye control deck and they're just playing with you at that point. So I feel like uh, definitely kind of a fringe playable card. Maybe it'll show up in some, you know, budget mill list, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, going anywhere anytime soon, so to speak. I agree. And this and this next card has been talked pretty highly of by people on the Reddit. I just sound like an old man. People on the Reddit. People uh, on uh, Reddit. On the Reddit, uh, they talked, kids. <laughs> <laughs> they talked very highly of it in Burn, and this is Rolling Vortex which is one generic, one red enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, Rolling Vortex deals one damage to them. Whenever a player casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast that spell, Rolling Vortex deals five damage to that player. And then also you can activate it with one red mana. Your opponents can't gain life this turn. 
Now, a lot of people were talking about Skullcrack is not their favorite card in the burn sideboard. So they were very interested in trying this out as a replacement of Skullcrack in the sideboard because deal one damage cumulative on their upkeep while you're also bolting them. You're also rift bolting them. You're getting in with Goblin Guide. You're getting in with Lava Spike. That's a lot of damage that potentially you're going to hit them. And then if you have this out and they cast Euro, okay, in response, I'm going to activate this for red mana. You're not going to gain that three life this turn instead of Skullcrack, which is two, two mana. So I'm very interested in this card. And if this sees a lot of play, this, this is where maybe Feed the Swarm becomes better in the sideboard of Grixit's Death Shadow because of the fact that, you know, Burn is a fun matchup, honestly, for Grixis Death Shadow. I think it's fun to play it when you're playing against Burn because you really have to think about every little thing you're doing. Do I do I really want to fetch Shock here because I know they have a handful of just spells that they're just going to hit me with and I'm going to die quickly. And this is another one of those cards that they land, you know, okay, every upkeep, I'm going to be losing one. I got to be able to make sure that I play around that. And obviously, we're not going to be trying to gain any life, but that's a really prevalent ability that they a lot of decks, a lot of Euro style decks really try to use against them as they start to gain a bunch of life through Euro or even timely reinforcements has been a cyborg card that people have been using a little bit That's six life. They slam that down. You have a goblin guide on there. They're going to get three soldiers, but you're also going to be able to nullify that six life that they gain. How do you feel about rolling void vortex in modern? I feel like it really hedges against, uh, if I'm correct, it says whenever a player casts a spell from their graveyard, it does five damage, or without paying mana costs, it's five yeah, damage yep. too. So this really protects against those like ad nauseum aspects that kind of just spew their whole hand without paying anything, mm-hmm. you know, or like uh, Underworld Breach style decks that uh, were pretty prevalent, you know, when, uh, not anymore, but when, when Urza and the Underworld Breach combo was really big, when they were cast a bunch of stuff for free. I feel like uh, this card would have been perfect against them. Turn this out turn two and then watch them try to, you know, get out underneath it. I like when Wizards prints these failsafe cards when, you know, we are like, okay, why are you printing this? Like, we don't need this right now. The meta is not really geared towards this. Well, that's fine. But like what happens when the meta is tweaked towards this is that that's when we're all in panic mode. Like, oh, my gosh, what do we do now? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> We have all these crazy things we have to worry about. But with this, we're able to kind of hedge our bets against a lot of the stuff. And uh, I feel like a two mana comes on comes in very competitively costed. It's just like the other two mana card we talked about. Like, you know, modern is a format of efficiency and two mana investment is a pretty low investment to be able to kind of stop your opponent from comboing off. I feel like this card's really geared towards hating on players who do unfair things. And that's always welcome. That's always a welcome sideboard card in modern. I agree. I'm definitely interested to see where it goes. Like I said, a lot of people are pretty excited about it on Reddit. So that makes me excited. Very cool card. I think the flavor of it is really cool. The artwork is beautiful. So we got another card. I think you sent this one to me earlier. And it's Ancient Green Warden. For four generic, two green. It's an elemental creature. It's a 5-7. It has reach. You may play lands from your graveyard. If a land entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. How do you feel about this card in Modern? 
Oh, God. Primeval Titan just has a new toy now. I feel like (laughs) they always get big, dumb creatures that destroy like everyone. And I feel like this is no different. It's a very competitive. It's very competitively costed. Again, I keep that. That's my catchphrase for tonight, I guess. But it costed pretty well for them, meaning uh, the big Titan decks, because this is like a zero man investment or like it. It's a man investment, but it's nothing uh, out of the ordinary. Like, you know, six, seven mana. OK, they used to play that huge, big Cyclops warrior that does, I think, like six damage to whoever casts a non-creature spell. Mm-hmm. I forget what that was called. But like they're used to playing these huge creatures that do insane things. And this is something that fits right into it. You know, they get double Valica triggers, double Field of Dead triggers. They get the cast of their graveyard. Like it's just it's busted, you know, and I feel like it coming in. What? It's a five, seven or is a seven, seven, five, seven, a five, seven, five damage is really no joke. And, you know, one swing with a Titan plus Valica plus double Valica triggers uh, with this in the field, you're pretty much screwed. And if anything, it's a five, seven huge beater who's going to be just as angry as Primeville Titan. And it scares me, and I'm not looking forward to seeing it across the table. I agree with that. When it, yeah, you sent me this card, and I thought of Field of the Dead and Valica right away. Being able to trigger that again, that's basically just GG at that point once they land that. And obviously, six mana is a lot of mana, but for Primeval Titan, for Valica and all that, six mana is really not a big deal because they're usually playing like Azusa where they're going to get extra lands into play. And six mana is not out of the question by turn four or anything. It's not like they have to wait until turn six to play their six land to play this. There's going to be no problem of them getting six mana easily to be able to play this. And then getting those additional triggers is really going to hurt. Absolutely. So I am excited to see this card perform in modern. Not really excited to be on the other side of it, but it is really cool to see a card another card that could potentially be used in the modern. And there's another green card called Turn Timber Symbiosis, 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 something like that. Four generic, three green sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. If that card has converted mana cost three or less, it enters with three additional plus one, plus one counters on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Do you feel that this card could be modern playable at all? I could foresee this in Titan once again, you know, like a big green dumb spell, like able to pump out into the fur creature. feels like something that Titan would love. And, you know, they already play was a castle Garen big So like, you know, this being another like utility land they could play. And it also does as a spell, like seeing something that, they would really want early game. It's a land to help them ramp late game. It's a spell to go grab something they want to kill you with. So mm-hmm. again, Titan just gets a ton of support. Uh, but hey, we got we got a scourge boy. So you know what? We got a little support too, Titan. So, you know, I know watch I'm out. actually <laughs> not too salty to be like, well, these decks got support because we're like, well, actually, Death Shadow might have gotten some support for once. I, I feel like I'm actually a little bit in a dream right now. And, and it's kind of crazy that this is not like a miscast or unearth. This is actually something that could be Death Shadow playable. But back to the card that we were actually talking about before I get on my rant about Death Shadow again. I agree. I could see this potentially being in Titan. Uh, looking at the top seven cards, obviously seven mana, like I said, it's not that hard for them to do. Especially if they're really trying to grab a Primeval Titan or trying to grab an Ancient Green Warden taking a turn off to do that to grab seven 
look seven deep and to be able to put one of those creature cards onto the battlefield. It's not like you may put a creature card from among them into your hand and go straight onto the battlefield. So that investment can really pay off for when you grab a primeval titan and then you're able to grab more lands to either trigger Field of the Dead or trigger Valakut, or you just grab Ancient Green Warden, and now you have another card that's going to potentially trigger Valakut twice or trigger Field of the Dead twice when you play lands from your hand or if you already have some in the graveyard. So I definitely could think this could be a card that Titan could play with, or they might have a couple cards that they could experiment with in some sort of capacity, whether they play two copies, one copy, four copies, I'm not too sure. I've never really played Titan besides a little bit of practice with you, so I can't really say how these are going to slot in right away. But another thing about this card is that it's also a land, and I think they're called modal lands. So the the land part of it is turn timber, serpentine wood. As it enters the battlefield, you may pay three life. If you don't, and enters the battlefield tapped. Black also got a similar one in Agadim's Awakening, where it's X and three black sorcery return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost x or less and it's the same thing it's it's a land on the other side as it enters the battlefield you may pay three life if you don't it enters the battlefield tap and the t turn timber taps for green only and this one taps for black only how do you feel about these th this new experiment that they're doing where one side is a is a spell and the other side is a land I think it's pretty unique. I think it's cool. I think it's, you know, something new and fresh. And I'm kind of thankful it doesn't have the land types. Because if it had the land types, these would be absurd. You know, I think they learned their lesson from Mystic Sanctuary by not letting the land types go in here. But uh, I think it's it's pretty cool. And it's a unique idea. And they're really pushing the boundaries of what magic cards can do. And I'm really looking forward to playing with these. And I, I think that you know, it's an exciting design and obviously some are barely modern playable. Some are, you know, super scary and other ones are just going to be playing in commander or standard. Uh, mm. But overall, I thought they really hit out the park as far as like design wise, flavor wise of this of this set and uh, all of the cool uh, mojo spells when it comes to lands. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the the flavor behind it, you know, the one side's a spell, one side's a land is really cool. That aspect of it is really cool. I'm not sure if they'll be very much so modern playable. Well, at least with the, the turn timber symbiosis, the sorcery part could be something that could be used for um for Primeval Titan or those Titan style decks. But like the front side of Agadim, I don't foresee it could potentially be something played in modern black, but I I can't really foresee it. But I think the the design behind it is really cool. They could definitely have a potential in standard, maybe pioneer. As far as modern, I don't really foresee it. I just think they're kind of cool. But I believe that wraps up the cards that we were going to talk about. It's been a lot of cool spoilers, but I will let you end the show. Yeah, uh, just echo what Jeremy said. Zendikar was an awesome set to review and go over and look at and talk about, you know, during COVID and all that kind of stuff. Me and Jeremy kind of struggle sometimes when it comes to looking at uh, topics for us to talk about. And so when spoiler season comes out, it's a, kind of a big relief. We have stuff to talk about uh, and go over with you guys. And I'm really looking forward to playtesting Scourge, getting some more results to you and, you know, maybe... Uh, talk about some results on the podcast uh but that is it for this week stay safe keep playing magic and see you next week